you're now listening to the Talking Pictures Podcast, broadcasting from sunny Orange County, California. Filmmaker, journalist, and film historian, Paul Booth. Aloha, welcome to Talking Pictures with Paul Booth. I'm the co-host of this segment, Review Talk, and my other host is... Hi, Lovell. Hi, Paul. Hello. Today, we're going to discuss and talk about La La Land. For any of you that did not catch what that title refers to, some people call L.A. La La Land for many various reasons. This film was Kai's choice, which I've really enjoyed lately uh, with Kai selecting the movies because they've been so uh, random and they've ended up being something that I either haven't seen or went back to, which La La Land, uh, when I saw in the theaters, I did not enjoy. I saw it at the Port Theater in uh, Corona Del Mar. Corona Del Mar. It's a very nice kind of upscale theater. You have your own table. You have a big recliner chair. And it was a wonderful, beautiful, romantic music, romantic musical that I saw with a friend of mine that I'd known since we were in preschool. And it was just way too romantic for two heterosexual childhood friends to be watching at nine o'clock at night. <laughs> so... That was my original take. Even my buddy was like, hey, man, we're never going to a musical again at nine o'clock with like reclining chairs, just so you know. (laughs) So with that, that was my initial assessment. And I'll jump in on round two with my new assessment. But Kai, what made you uh, decide on La La Land and uh, share your thoughts with us? Well, I I really liked the story of how you saw it because my my story couldn't be more opposite. Like anyone has ever been to Kauai, you would be aware that we have technically two movie theaters, one on the west side in Waimea that is super tiny and only open for one showing a few days a week and then one in Nihui. So, by the time it came out, I was I just couldn't get to the movie. So, I actually only ever saw it on like DVD or at home or streaming or whatever. But I absolutely love it. Like, I do need to share with the world that musicals are not for everybody. And I am 100% a musical person. Like, I was raised on, like, Annie, um, you know, all of the, like, Singing in the Rain, all of it. It's just, I love it so much. I definitely spent way too much time with my grandmother watching her favorite movies when I was little. I knew way too much about West Side Story. And The Sound of Music was, like, my cornerstone or my touchstone as a child. I always refer to the Von Trapps. And um, when I saw the previews for La La Land, I was thinking at first, like, oh, please don't be bad. Like, please don't be bad. I really want this to be good. And then, um, you know, it had a bunch of buzz, but I didn't really pay attention to it because I wanted to see it myself. And by the time I finally saw it, I completely fell in love with it from the first frame. I mean, when they open up and it's all about, like, CinemaScope presented and they're completely committed to being a musical, I loved it. I loved it so much. So that's why I chose it. And I also thought it was like a little bit random for you as a choice. Um, and I thought it would be fun to hear what your perspective is, because once again, just to restate, musicals aren't for everybody. <laughs> what did you think? Oh, yeah. Like, what were you? Oh, well, I, well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm the same as you, what you just said. Um, my grandmother, I think her favorite movie is Sound of Music. And of course, West Side Story. Singing in the Rain, all of those she would we would talk about. When she passed away, she South was Pacific. so upset with me that I hadn't seen. Pardon? South Pacific. I mean, being from Kauai. Yes, South, like South Pacific. Pacific. Yes, yes. Of course. And the, the, so the 
less or sound of music. I still, I still need to watch. I'm that's like my movie. I haven't seen, but I always feel kind of cool. Cause I saw Brad Pitt in the interview say he hadn't seen it. So I was like, yeah, I'm as cool as Brad Pitt. Anyways. Um, <laughs> feel free to laugh. Feel free to laugh, laugh it up. The only thing missing is he doesn't have a belly, but I look like him anyways. Uh, so with the musicals, I'm, you know, I'm not the biggest musical fan, but I, I love that I come at it from, I love the production design. I love how many different art forms are at work, um, the singing, the dancing. So I could appreciate that. And of course, on the big screen, I should have been paying more attention uh, because the second, the second time I thought, how could I not have loved this? Like, it's about a jazz piano player. I love jazz. Uh, I love Dave Brubeck and I love boogie woogie piano and where jazz piano went with the blues. And then I'm a huge Emma Stone fan. So as I watched it a second time, and then of course it being about kind of the entertainment business and the struggles of the entertainment business. Um, I mean, a, a struggling actress and a struggling jazz musician, kind of like the coolest story ever, as cliche as it sounds and can be. I liked that they didn't take Ryan Gosling down the real jazz musician road of like, uh, moves to Harlem, becomes a heroin junkie, uh, can't play jazz like Thelonious Monk or, you know, passes away, which wouldn't have worked like Bird or, um, and then, you know, I love that they kept him as like a clean jazz musician, which obviously that works better for the movie. Uh, but Emma Stone, what a well-deserved Oscar. I thought all that dancing and, you know, we were kind of talking about this the other day. What, what really jumped out for me was that Emma Stone has that trying to think who else could have been in this movie because she has that, um, uh, that old movie actress aura about her. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, you know, like you were saying about the eyes, like for me, it's like there's Emma Stone's eyes and then there's other parts, things about her. So I, I love that it was like, this is so genius. I would have loved to have known who else was maybe up for it. Or maybe they were just like, no, we're only going to do this if Emma Stone wants to. But one of the things I, that I would love to get your take, Kai, is that, uh, and this isn't spoiling anything for anyone, uh, the movie opens up on a freeway to kind of like give it that we're not like in some far off mystical musical land and they're stuck in traffic and they always have to shoot movies on this one part of the freeway by LAX, the 110 that goes down to the beach. So any movie you see with freeway scenes, very high chance it was shot on this one little part. So for me, I was thinking, how did they not, how did they shoot this without there being airplanes? So for me, I was like trying to not be taken out of it. And this is probably the only time I've ever said something I didn't like about a movie was because it was like, was starting out in a fantasy world, but it was like placing me in something to where it was like, if there was a freeway, there would be other things. So mm -hmm. that was kind of hard for me at first, because let's face it, we both know by LAX, all you see is airplanes, right? I mean, what is it mm -hmm. like every 15 seconds something lands there? So anyways, that was kind of a dumb point to bring up, but to let moviegoers know that was something that I was struggling with was where is the movie uh, real and where's the movie like in the fantasy world? So what would you think of how they did that, Kai? Because I know you 
as well would notice like one of the first scenes with Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, like it's so obvious they're walking in Griffith Park. And I know people mm-hmm. are going to notice that. So it's like, so how did you feel they balanced the mythical nature that musics have to have with the reality of the story? So um, thank you for asking that question because it was something that I kept noticing the whole time I was watching it again is that I thought it was brilliant to open right there. And I think that, I mean, I don't know. I don't make movies or anything, but I think that they didn't have planes flying through the air to not distract from what was going on. I mean, there's so many things happening on that, um, on just on the freeway at that time. But I love that they opened in summer and I love that they opened with the song, another day of sun, or I'm sorry, in winter, they opened in winter and it was another day of sun because every single day in California looks the same. Ultimately, if you think about it. Right. 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 And then I liked that there was like smog in the background. I was happy to see that. I was like, Oh, I recognize that. And um, I love that they were gridlocked because I feel like where they start this film in winter is um, in a place where before you meet the characters, they're both sort of like gridlocked in what they're trying to do. They're both artists. They're both equally passionate and obsessed artists about what they do. They just have different mediums by which they um, participate, but both of them need buy-in from the people, you know? So they're gridlocked in traffic and in life. And then I also just love that it is unquestionable where you are. You know, you're in California, even if someone's never been to California, like you and I are very familiar with California and Los Angeles. But if someone was from the other side of the world, you could tell in a short, in a hot minute that you're in LA or you're in Hollywood, you know? And I think that this movie was so wonderful with really sticking to highlighting the golden age of um, Hollywood and I, I don't ever like to use the term old Hollywood, just really the golden age of Hollywood. It's almost like a keepsake. And um, then using all of those primary colors to sort of show what the tone of the film was going to be. And I like that each season sort of switched to another primary color that was the base. And, um, you know, going from winter and spring and then summer and then fall and then having everything sort of loop back around at the end to winter. Um, I, I just really like those little pieces that they used to be um, the template by which the film was based around. Um, and of course that opening seems amazing. It's like fantastical, you know, like, come on everybody. I don't know if I just suffer from this undiagnosed mental illness of wanting everyone to break out into musical choreography, wherever you go, <laughs> especially if you're stuck in like a, stuck in like the mundane um idle time of sitting in your hot car with no ac on like a turnpike trying to get off the freeway that sucks i think we've all been there but if you could just sort of use your imagination i think in a perfect world your imagination wouldn't have any irritating planes over your head and you would just be dancing around with everybody i thought was really awesome i i totally love that uh that's a big reason um what you just said that I would recommend the movie is because they work so well with subtext. And I didn't even think of it till you just said they're gridlocked. The characters are in gridlock. It is the modern spin that of course, old Hollywood musicals didn't show freeways. Um, You know, I'm so nitpicky. I can never pull myself out of watching technical stuff. That was like, there's one shot where you see downtown LA and I'm like, cool downtown LA it was a nice day if you could see downtown LA from that part of the 405 um so I know for you me, would never be able to see it because there's so much smog 
Right, exactly, right? So I was like, oh, and then also, too, like, technically that scene, I was having such a hard time not thinking, like, man, that's right on the coast, and the sun's either rising or setting, so how did they keep it so even? Like, the movies don't change color, and there's a lot of whole, it's not, it's obviously not effects. Um, But anyway, so that opening scene throws you right into it. Um, I loved also the choice of Ryan Gosling. I'm more a fan of his grittier work. So in lighthearted roles, I don't get the way many uh, females do, women, uh, get so into, oh, it's Ryan Gosling. I, I like like Half Nelson. I don't, have you ever seen Half Nelson? Of course, The Interrupting Cow. Okay. Okay, yeah, so I should have known that you saw Half Nelson. For, for anybody out there that hasn't seen it, he plays a crack-smoking teacher. And this was kind of Ryan Gosling before he was Ryan Gosling, the nominated role. And I thought it was just so great. Um, and I, so I like him, you know, the grittier side, like Ides of March, you know, the political advisor that's, you know, doing what he's not supposed to do with the intern and, or finds mm-hmm. out about that with, with what George Clooney's character is doing. And of course, George Clooney directed that. Everyone, you guys should check out Ides of March. Super cool. I don't know. It's probably a horror film now with what's going on in the world politically. But uh, so yeah. as we get the train reality back on track TV, here no, with the Ryan Gosling. Yeah, 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 reality. Right, exactly. You're fired. Um, so it's a uh, as we, I, right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, there's that great line in it that says you can start a war, but you can't mm, the intern. So anyways, we'll leave it at that. Um <laughs> Search, search it. You know, we're of that perfect age, right? What were we were like 20 when we were watching Clinton on TV? Not together, but I was over at my brother's house, the one in Kapahi, and was just thinking, like, why is the president on TV talking about this? But um, toot, toot, Amtrak train is officially off the track, so I'll pull it back to La La Land. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so another thing that I just absolutely loved about it was obviously the music. It won best score at one best original song. I loved that. Um, I don't know. Should we save who, who is the co-star musician in it for people that are going to check it out? Or should we discuss that uh, Ryan Gosling's band leader? I think we should say all the things. I think we should say all the things. Like, I feel like that's okay, such what? a cool part of this movie too. Okay. Go in, you, then go into it. You fly, fire away. So, um, basically he is like, he has this previous relationship with a lifelong friend where they're playing like in his heart. Cause I love about Ryan Gosling about Sebastian in this film. He's like such a fundamentalist and like who he is believing in the true nature and art and magic of jazz. And so he doesn't want to sell out, but unfortunately we're living in a world where people hear jazz, you know, if they hear the word jazz, they think of like Kenny Loggins or like Kenny G. I'm sorry, not Kenny Loggins. Kenny oh, that was a great set. And- Kenny G. Oh. Oh God, oh God, good. And, um, you know, like, just that he doesn't want to be a sellout in the industry. He wants to do something really honest and authentic. But um, after, you know, trying to figure his way out without getting fired and, and playing music his way, he actually starts playing in a band that um, his lifelong friend, the character in this film, is played by John Legend, which is so awesome. I just think John Legend is such an amazing uh He's an amazing artist in general and a great actor. Like I totally bought into him in this role. Um, But, you know, it's just like that whole uh, 
the sacrifices that you have to make to do what you want to do. And I think that that's another message that kind of strings the movie together is that you're going to have to make sacrifices here and there. And sometimes those sacrifices will meet you in seasons of your life uh, the way that you wanted. And then other times you're just going to miss it a little bit, you know, but I love that they, um, that uh, Damien Chazelle really used the backdrop of, Los Angeles as his, um, once again, it's just like this calling card keepsake that you don't get to see like that anymore, because especially right now, if we were to drive through Los Angeles, it's a pretty hairy place right now. I mean, between everything being locked down and, um, what's going on politically and in the climate of who we are as a civilization, as a people, what we believe and what we're willing to show up for, whether it's, uh, you know, walking and protesting through the streets or doing other things. I mean, it's really changed a lot. And so I think that that's one of the things about musicals that are always so awesome is that they're bright and they're sunny and they are fantastical and they are whimsical and they are an imaginary friend. And so I really liked that that was the commitment of the film, you know, like it was really, it was committed to showing what you would see like in a painted backdrop but also sort of the underbelly of making sacrifices in your life that get you to where you want to go ultimately, but it's just not necessarily the way that you thought it was going to be. I love that. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that, that was portrayed so well. And La La Land, I would, you know, for me, it's like, I have to go back to the original stars born because they did, it did seem more like a musical and the one that's so popular and the new one from, a year or two ago was so not a musical to me. That was like Bradley Cooper. That was like music. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think all the Hollywood musicals would have ever allowed musicals, especially a star is born by title to have that grittiness. I mean, think about it. If they went in the golden age of Hollywood and they were like, okay, so Fred Astaire is going to snort some Percocet. Um, then he's going to grab Ginger Rogers while it, with a whiskey in his hand and they're going to stumble down the street, you know, like wouldn't have flown Yeah, he's going to ruin Never her mind. dream. Would... And yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right. Hard right? On that. That's a hard Yeah, path. exactly. <laughs> and we're going to let him not shave and he's going to grow his hair as long as he wants. And it was so like, but then again, on the flip side, it's like, you know, on a side note, it's like that movie is just so ballsy. And, you know, Bradley Cooper admitted to all his life demons being in that movie. So that's what made that movie great. So we're not saying stay away from Stars Born, but this had the, um, I mean, I even like as a jazz musician that it's like he was a positive jazz musician. It's like he was a purist. There's that great line. And sorry, everyone, this, this doesn't spoil anything, but there's a line that just for me is kind of why I would recommend the movie where John Legend tells him in so many words, like, Jazz is about the future, but you're stuck in the past. And I Mm -hmm. think that was also such a big word to what the business is and what the industry is, because it's like, like you're saying, we have to make these sacrifices, these changes, everything has to be about the iPhone, but then it's like, in that gets lost the appreciation for, uh, you know, I mean, it's now it's like we're snobs, right? If somebody says John Coltrane who, I'm like, Okay, so how are you listening to music? Like, you don't have to have 20 Coltrane records. You don't have to think Miles Davis is the greatest musician ever. But 
it's like understand who your grandfather is. Um, I mean, Louis Armstrong obviously still goes through the world, but I I can remember when, uh, and this is applied to La La Land because it's about the history and the future, uh, when Brada Is did that version of It's a Wonderful World and mm-hmm. Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And I can remember that at our age, we were supposed to think that it was a new song, but it was just like such a, like to, real when you hear the original version of what a wonderful world. I mean, I think it's the best song ever made. Um, yeah. Well, I think so it's emotional. angelic. Yeah, it's so it, emotional. It, it and it's so right in the tender. Like, you just feel like yeah. immediately yeah. a kitten on your back with, like, your your arms are up and just like, rub my belly. <laughs> you know, like, it's so yes, emotional. Exactly. It's so perfect. It's so oh, safe. No, totally. Yes. And, and, and I love that, uh, you know, the director, and, of course, the one best director, and I love, and I debate this, because it was the same year as Moonlight and Lion and so many oh. other films that were, yeah, they were so grounded in, again, the reality of emotion and not that, not saying that La La Land has all the real emotion, but nothing could be, like you're saying, break out in song and, you know, what a wonderful world um, for me. And this applies to La La Land and the kind of like, how they go in and out of the world of dating. What La La Land was making me think of was uh, I used to not be able to hear what a wonderful world for like six or seven years after my grandmother passed away because it was her favorite song. Mm-hmm. So the moment that first note hit, I, it was just waterworks like somebody died, you know? And I was on a date, a first date at Colorado Rockies baseball stadium. And we walked into this part of where the suites were and that song was playing and I just broke down. And we both know like, that's not what you do on a first date. So I'm just like bawling and there's not a bathroom. Well, right, exactly. So I'm, I'm like, Hey, you know, so I, I just stop and I, and I'm looking, there's no bathroom. There's nowhere I can get to. So I just stop and she's like, oh my God, what's wrong? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, she's like, are you sure? Like, do you need to, I don't know. And I'm just sitting around, I'm just like, oh man, right? You know, like we talked about with Bombshell, the the male can't have feelings, right? And so finally I was just like, uh, this was my grandma's favorite song. And she was just like, oh, you're so sensitive. And she like grabs my hand and we hadn't been holding hands. And I was just like, okay. Weep, weep, you know, like, I think I'm going to cry some more now. Um, but You're like, it that's just, my friends is the superstar recovery. No, I'm just kidding. I was like, thank you, Grandma. I miss you. So I, the reason why I brought that up was because La La Land captured that magic that just the unknown moment can have without ever mm-hmm. getting too far into the whimsical slash Kai made up word fantastical. Um, <laughs> that's one of the things I love about you. You make up words, uh, but that's cool. Cause we, we all do do that. Uh, so yeah. So I'm going to copyright just, that right now. Copywritten. I know, yeah. <laughs> you should. Um, so yeah. So for me, La La Land, the John Legend choice was so cool. Cause that was like also someone again, I've just realized, as you said it on a subtextual way, Credible artists who people genuinely I've heard will say he's a sellout because he's so uh, wealthy and so, you know, has everything he needs. But 
when he did the song Glory um, for uh, Selma, it's like he's so mm-hmm. not a sellout. So I thought that yeah. was a perfect choice. I mean, I think choice, that so. there's so many haters that are jealous right. of his amazing success and his happy life and his beautiful um, circle around the universe at this point in his life. Like, so many people are so jealous of things. Oh, yes. So that's what, so again, right there with the casting was the perfect thing of throwing him in. So I just feel like the film today was so funny. It was so weird because the last thing I want to say, um, unless there's any other points you want to go into, is that uh, I've never had a film that I, again, jokes aside of I was seeing it with a friend and in a romantic setting. Uh, I had never seen a film that I just absolutely did not like turn into a film that I just totally loved. It's never gone that far, like tipped the entire scale to where I was just like, I didn't want it to end. And I just remembered how it ended. So I knew I couldn't go anywhere with that. And so, yeah, so I just give a big, like, you know, all the aloha in the world to this movie and suggesting it because it was just so layered and there's something for everyone. And you're going to be able to, whether you're attached to jazz or not, or you're attached to music or not, or you've had a good relationship or not there's just going to be so many um i mean like i told kai i messaged her that i mean i started bawling just because they walk out of this club in the movie that's supposed to be this club my grandma would go to so i was just Mm -hmm. like oh my gosh they're coming out of this one building and so that to me was just like summed up the movie it's like if if you're so emotionally attached that you're crying because of a building then that is pretty much a movie I think people should see. So that really segues me into one more thing that I want to add about it. Um, And that it was perfectly cast and um, they cast the city, you know, like they cast the buildings, they cast the locations, they cast the um, studio, you know, the back of the studio, which is such an amazing thing. Like for anyone who ever wanted to be in showbiz, like I think we all dreamt about being on the studio back lot and going between take to take and all the little things that come along with that. But kind of like, once again, layering that story, they cast, um, and I like how they pulled it together. Cause right when they made that rebel without a cause reference, and I am doing a few spoiler alerts. So I do want to just say sorry um, in advance. But then I love that they go to the Griffith Observatory and, you know, a place like the Griffith Observatory, I haven't been to since I was like an eighth grade with science class or something. But you go up there and you see this relationship between like who we are as humans. Some of us are really um, spiritual or religious and believe in the heavens and how that was created. And then you go to a place like the Griffith Observatory that really embraces both thought patterns. It's very much a place of science and um, the study of science and all of those things. But then you just can't help but remember that, like, there are some magical spiritual things that we can't explain with words in this life that may or may not happen while 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 we're going through it. But um, it's like a dream realized, you know. And uh, I love that they took, like, the scene that takes place there. I just love that it allows you to do that. Like, it's uh, it's so imaginary that it's great. And, um, you know, there's a couple parts where seasons, like, you know, I love that spring is where love is on high and then fall is where things kind of fall off. And then, um, you know, that it's so bold to just do a happy, unhappy ending because it's both sides of the coin to what a traditional 
Hollywood musical would have given you and sort of like, once again, grounding it to the reality of like where we are in time at this point and like how sometimes you just got to make those sacrifices, but it's all good. Like energy will continue to live there. It just doesn't live in the same way. So I really, really loved it. And there's so many things about that movie that just made me feel like, I don't know. I just felt like the director was making nods to things like my fair lady, the wizard of Oz, like all these movies, the red shoes, just the the choice of colors. And the way that he would use light or the team would use light to show certain scenes, I really felt like there was such a nod to the red shoes. And even um, in some of the, like that pool scene where it just reminded me of Million Dollar Mermaid for no reason, like no one was doing synchronized swimming, but I just was like, wow, he's like bringing everything in that you might have had if you're just doing like a watercolor collage of all the things that you've ever seen in musicals that kind of had a little bit of everything. So I really love that. Yeah, people should definitely see this movie. That was a great call. By the way, what Kai just mentioned, the red shoes. Someone's been watching Turner Classic Movies. Um, Red shoes, everyone out there. (laughs) Yeah, well, this will be everyone's pull into it. It's one of Martin Scorsese's actual favorite movies. Not just how he says this is my favorite movie, but he talks about it in documentary. Yeah, he's always... He always talks about that was the first movie that like grabbed him with the colors and the, like the, ah, let me, this is relevant, everyone. I will look up real quick. Uh, That will be your reason to see it. We all know Martin Scorsese says you should see every movie. I know, but but like among other reasons, it's so amazing. Yeah, so 1948. Yeah, so this is what it was. 1948, he was born in 42 and he talks about being this little kid and being just so drawn in by the colors of it. And so that's what, of course, La La Land did win Best Cinematography. And mm-hmm. technically, and like you had said, they cast the city and Griffith Observatory. I was there uh, for my 40th birthday last year. And wow. we both know nothing beats that view of downtown. Well, Mulholland kind of rivals it. But anyways, um, that one, like you're saying, the city is married right there. The heart of the city and so, yeah, so you guys definitely check this out. Make sure you see these musicals that were mentioned, Wizard of Oz, Sound of Music, South Pacific. All of these are great choices as well. So with that, I'm going to say thank you, Kai, for joining us. And we will be back very soon. We're looking at stuff like you can go in the archives. We'll have episodes for Bombshell and Monster and Say Anything. And we're just going to continue to explore women directors and indigenous films and 80s, 90s. Again, it's all sign up saying the hits all the way till today. That'll do it. I will talk to you soon. And aloha, Kai. Okay, aloha. All right. So thank you for joining us today. We all, we love doing this. We love movies. And whether it's morning, afternoon, or evening, or whatever other time of crazy COVID day you've found, Make sure and watch a good movie. Heck, watch La La Land on HBO and HBO Max. Thank you for listening to the Talking Pictures Podcast. Real conversation and movie-induced inspiration. 